So, I'm not gonna lie, I really, really didn't want to have to talk about shit like this ever on my podcast. But I knew it was something I was going to have to. I didn't ever really want to have to talk about race. I wanted my podcast to low-key be a space where I can kind of escape that for a second, but that's just not a possibility. And the funny thing is, this episode that I'm doing today was one of the first ones I writ, wrote. Bro, I don't even give a fuck about grammar right now. That's how angry I am. Um, And I wrote it around the time that Ahmaud Arbery was... uh, Not when he was actually murdered slash executed, because low-key I'm just referring to all of these murders now as executions. It wasn't around then, but it was around the time that it started really gaining notoriety. And (laughs) I remember I was writing notes for this episode, but I was just feeling so emotionally overwhelmed and just tired of saying the same shit over and over again because I'd been posting stuff and I'd had conversations with people and I just was like, I can't fucking do this. And so I remember I told myself, you know what, why not save this episode for the next one? Yeah, I I actually thought that to myself. I thought to myself, you know what? Save it for the next one. And by next one, I meant the next fucking murder that was going to happen. And I didn't realize that it would be so soon because then Brianna Taylor was murdered slash executed while sleeping in her own home. And I remember thinking to myself, oh shit. Uh, I wasn't exactly ready for it to be that soon. And so I just kind of sat on this episode and all of my notes and thoughts about it. And I just kind of shoved them away because I wasn't ready to deal with it. I wasn't ready to talk about it. And then I made my first episode and now here we are. And we have, you know, the murder of George Floyd. I can't even talk right now, you guys. I'm so angry. (laughs) And can we also talk about the fact that it kind of seems like black people are being murdered slash executed in alphabetical order in 2020 because we got Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and now George Floyd. I mean, there have been plenty of others that have happened, men and women, uh, who are black, who have been murdered slash executed, but these are the ones that are being talked about the most right now. Yeah, like, it almost feels like they're just going down a list of people in in alphabetical order, and, like, black people are just out here walking caskets at this point. I don't know what to say. I really don't. That was going to be the title of the episode originally. Who knows? Maybe I'll still make it that. I'll admit, I'm a little tipsy right now because I really can't talk about this shit sober. 
not in the way that I want to because there's a part of me that still worries about not making people who are white or people who are white passing and I'll get into why I'm making that distinction later but there's a part of me that when I am sober does not want to make them uncomfortable maybe it's the part of me that is trying to protect myself maybe it is that part of me that is a survivalist but even in how I talk about things that have to do with black people being murdered or people of color being oppressed I still worry about making sure I don't talk about those things in our experiences and even my own experiences in a way that makes people who are white or white passing uncomfortable. Yeah. So why do I make this distinction about people who are white passing but are people of color? Well, it's kind of the same reason why I'm doing this whole episode in general is because I've been on my social media and I've been seeing a lot of posts by white allies who I appreciate are out there posting things and educating people and finally actually taking a stand because it's been years and years and I'm like, damn, I've never seen you post anything, but this year you seem to be cool, finally. Um, but I've been seeing a lot of people express like, hey, well, what what can we do? You know, people finally realizing that posting on social media isn't everything. You know, like, I remember in 2012, I was kind of like, damn, like posting on social media, that can't be it. <laughs> but I didn't feel safe to protest, you know, I was like, I don't want to go to a protest and get fucking murdered. So, I mean, I've been to protest. I've protested things, and thankfully things didn't get, you know, escalated. But to be honest, I was, like, the only black person in those protests. So that's probably why they didn't escalate so much. Anyway, so uh, this episode specifically, as much as I want this podcast to be more about things that make all of us feel connected despite our differences i think it is important to be honest about the fact that i am a black woman i am an immigrant i am a visible person of color i don't get to take mental days off i don't get to have a mental health day and decide that i don't want to deal with being black and check out and that is something that white people and white passing people both get to do and again we're going to get into it Um, I don't get that. I'm going through a fucking breakup right now. And I'm dealing with all the emotions and feelings of that. Over the last three days I've been dealing with it. But I also go out into the world and I have to deal with microaggressions because of the fact that I'm black. And overt racism. You know, it all piles on. I don't get to take a break from being black just so I can deal with my breakup right now. I have to deal with it all. I don't get a break. So, uh, yeah, I figure that instead of talking about my feelings about these very extreme but unfortunately consistent things that have been happening with black people and people of color where we're getting murdered and executed, I wanted to talk about my personal experiences because while I cannot speak for all black people, I can speak for myself. 
and I can express, and I think it's important to express to people who are white and people who are white passing ways for them to show up for me and potentially other people who are visible people of color because I think the conversation is focusing the conversation nationally and on social media is focusing so much on these extreme situations that people feel like oh well you know I I brought attention to this thing that happened in this other city but it's not happening in mine so things can't be that bad no they are that fucking bad dude but the people of color around you like we're so used to fucking dealing with it like we don't even talk about it anymore because if we were to talk to you about stuff like we'd have to bring up shit every day every day there'd be something new to talk to you about you know if you think that you're exhausted hearing about it try living it 24 7 you don't get a fucking break like i would love to take night walks in my neighborhood the neighborhood that my parents have lived in for almost 10 years now I don't even feel safe to do that because even though my parents have lived here longer than most of the people in this neighborhood, I don't want to risk one of my neighbors thinking that I don't belong here and calling the fucking cops on me. So while this whole pandemic was going on and we were all like locked in, all the times I wanted to take walks and shit, I didn't. All the times that I had insomnia and really could have really could have benefited from taking a walk in the middle of the night I didn't because I'm like I'm not trying to get fucking murdered out here by one of my neighbors calling the cops thinking that I don't belong here even though they've seen my face hundreds of times and my family has lived here longer than fucking theirs has I didn't so yeah I think it would be important to talk about experiences that I've been through and that people close to me who are also visible people of color have been through to help give people who are white and white passing a better idea of how to be allies because we fucking need you fam we're tired we're so fucking tired like honestly like these last couple days i've been noticing on social media like my black friends and my visible friends of color who are dark-skinned like we're not really posting a whole lot of about what's going on right now like we're just trying to like keep ourselves okay like we had to tap out for a second because we're so fucking tired we've been talking about this shit for so long but now that i've had ample time to actually uh tend to myself and my feelings and my emotions and my wounds i feel like i'm ready to actually share some of my experiences Sorry for the, if you could hear that, I was just taking a sip of my green tea and vodka over here. (laughs) So, uh, why does Verena keep mentioning white passing individuals? What is going on with that? I want to say first and foremost, as a disclaimer, I understand that white passing individuals who are still people of color, like one, they are still people of color. And they have a different struggle than I could understand. I will never have somebody question my legitimacy as a black person because I have black skin. Somebody who is mixed, somebody who is white passing, they have to deal with shit like that. I fully understand that. That said, we'll get into it. Let's just get into it. Okay. So as some of you may know, I'm going through a breakup. The partner that I mentioned in the last episode, we are no longer partners. (laughs) And while I'm not going to get into the full details of what 
fucked up in that relationship and what was going on because I still believe that person deserves to be able to grieve in peace. I am going to bring up stuff from that past relationship and potentially other ones. I don't know. I haven't really planned out this episode too much because I'm going off script of what I wrote originally for this episode because I'm in my feelings right now. Um, I do want to bring up a couple things that happened in that relationship since it was with somebody who was a white passing person of color. So my partner was a white passing indigenous person. And I remember before we were even official, they had mentioned several times, and even after we were officially partners, they mentioned that they wanted whoever their long-term partner was to be somebody who was darker skinned than they were, shorter than they were, and like some other things. But it really interested me that she kept mentioning how she wanted her long-term partners to be people who were darker skinned than her. And I remember I asked her about it. I'm not going to get into what she said because that's a private conversation, but I just remember thinking to myself, huh, you're really focused on, like, the color of your partner. And I remember a part of me being like, that's kind of fucking racist. But because she wasn't white exactly... I remember thinking to myself, well, oh, it's not really a type of fetishization. It's just a weird preference, I guess, you know? But if a white person said that, yeah, I 100%, my brain would have been like, this is, they're fetishizing you, like, this is some fucked up shit, like, no. So, that happened in the relationship. And, um... I remember once we were official, I started sharing with her more openly about some of the things that I would be experiencing at work or in my day-to-day life that were clearly racist or clearly microaggressions, and I found it interesting. I found it interesting that when I would be sharing with her things that I experienced, such as I work at a barbershop, and our where I live we you know had our like stay-at-home order for like four or five maybe six weeks and then we opened up and I worked on the first day that our barbershop opened and our barbershop has multiple locations in multiple cities but our particular city all the barbershops in that location opened and on the first day that we opened I dealt with two separate customers who cussed me out and you want to know why they fucking cussed me out (laughs) they cussed me out because I told them that I couldn't find them a booking for that day. They were walk-ins. I couldn't get them on the books for that day because we were booked out for the next two to three weeks. All of our barbers, not even just at our specific location, but at every other location, they were booked out for two weeks because people had been able to make appointments a few days before we opened online and we're smart enough to think oh the barbershop's been closed for like several weeks I bet a lot of people need a haircut I should probably book an appointment in advance but these people got so upset that I a black person was telling them no you can't get your haircut here today sorry that they fucking cussed me out and 
I remember I tried to explain to my coworkers what had happened and a couple of them were like, what? I can't believe that happened. That's so wild. That's so bizarre. And I'm like, really? You're really shocked that that happened to me when low-key I am the only black receptionist at our location in Springfield. Like, really? You're really concerned? Like, you're really shocked about that. You're really surprised that that happened. That threw me off. So, yeah, I was talking with my partner at the time about that. And she took that time. She felt like that was the perfect opportunity to express that while she couldn't understand my struggle, she was also frustrated because she felt like because she was white passing, people didn't treat her like a person of color. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's as fucked up as it sounds. She literally chose that moment where I'm expressing to her that I just went through some very aggressive racist shit at my work. She thought that was the perfect opportunity to express things to get me to pity her for the fact that because she was white passing, she didn't have to fucking deal with that shit. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that her struggle isn't real. I know that she has to deal with people in her uh, indigenous group maybe questioning her legitimacy because of her not being dark skinned. But I just find it interesting that the only time she would bring up these frustrations and bring up these conversations about her struggles was when I was bringing up mine. It's like she couldn't handle the conversation being about the fact that like, hey, I just dealt with some racist shit today and I'm probably gonna have to fucking deal with it tomorrow. No, she had to turn the conversation around and make it about her and how she wanted pity for the fact that she didn't have to deal with that on a daily basis and how she felt like yeah, some days she just wouldn't even talk to people about the fact she's indigenous because it was so exhausting. And I was supposed to feel sorry for her about that. I'm sorry. I can't feel sorry for somebody who wants me to pity them for the fact that they get to pick and choose when they get to tune in to being a person of color. I'm not going to feel sorry for someone who wants me to pity them for the fact that they get to take a mental health day from being a person of color because they're white passing. I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I will not do that. Am I saying that your struggle isn't real? No, your struggle is very real and I personally cannot empathize with it. I can only sympathize with it. But if you are waiting to talk about that struggle and you only bring it up when a visible person of color is talking about their very real, very dangerous struggles, I'm sorry, I can't help but feel like, are you being like, how, like, this is not the oppression olympics like by any means but you really want to make this moment about you right now like really how fucking selfish can you be <sighs> so why am i bringing up that okay because again i keep hearing people talking about how they want to be allies for people of color especially visible people of color especially when they are white or they are white passing. And for me, that example is to help you understand maybe you shouldn't wait until visible people of color are sharing their experiences 
to ask for pity around the fact that you get to pick and choose as a white or white passing person when to opt into the burden of the people of color experience whether it's the burden of talking about the people of color experience when you're sharing things that have to do with racism or as a white passing person of color you get to opt into the burden quote-unquote of being a person of color when you choose who and when and which situations to share that you are a person of color you get to opt in and out of it you get to take breaks from it i'm not saying that you wish that that was the case but that doesn't change the fact that that's the case (sighs) okay so that's my relationship experience and from that i'm gonna say before i move on If you are somebody who wants to date a visible person of color, I think it is high time that people understand if you are going to date a visible person of color and you are white or you are a white passing individual, that means you are choosing to be a full-time ally. Not just a part-time like you usually get to be where you post on social media for a second and then you can just take a break and go hang out with your all-white friends and not have to deal with that shit or go hang out as a white passing person with only white friends and who don't know that you're, you know, an indigenous person or a person of color or that you're Latinx or whatever, you know, like you don't, you can take breaks from that. If you are going to date a person of color who is a visible person of color, you are choosing to be an ally in a way that is full time. No breaks. And if you cannot stand doing that, you should not be dating a visible person of color because you are just going to be one more thing for them not to fucking stress about all the time. I'm sorry. Like, if you cannot hold that mantle of being an ally 24-7, even if it means when you're at family function, even if it means when you're at work, even if it means when you're around your friends who you've known for decades and they're saying some fucked up shit and your partner's like, hey, that makes me uncomfortable, instead of choosing to make excuses for that friend you're like yeah you know what yeah that was fucked up that's what that means if you're gonna date a person of color they are not the person you use an excuse for your racist shit they are the person that you are now choosing to take as a part of you and to hold space for and to protect and that means that you are a you are a ally an ally i know again i am so angry that my grammar is like gone (laughs) you are an ally you are choosing to be that full-time when you date somebody who is a person of color especially a visible person of color so we're done with that part i guess so i wanted to get into some experiences or i guess some tips uh about how to be a better ally as a white or white passing person of color So I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell. I'm going to share a few things. Uh, I'll try and not make them full-on stories, but I'm going to share a few things that I personally have experienced over the last few years where I live. One thing I experienced was I was on my way home 
I live on the south side. If you know where I live, then you know, you know, I live on the south side and I was passing a middle school that has a somewhat racist name that kind of hints at indigenous people. (laughs) And I was on the street that passes that middle school and there was a cop car that was going the opposite direction and I remember we met each other near in front of that middle school and we both like turned and looked at each other and I immediately looked down at my speedometer to see how fast I was going but I do this every time anytime that I am driving and I pass a police officer on the road I check to see what my speed was because god forbid I am pulled over I want to be able to know exactly how fast I was going because even though I don't speed like I will go one two three maybe four miles an hour miles per hour over the speed limit max I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm being pulled over and a police officer tries to tell me that I was going 10 plus miles an hour over the speed limit hell fucking no I'm not doing that shit and so I pass this cop car and we both like look over at each other for a second and then I look down at my speedometer and I'm like okay I'm going exactly the speed limit and I keep driving but I see in my rearview mirror after a certain point the cop car pulled a Yui and started driving behind me and initially I thought oh they must have gotten a call on the thing they're about to turn their lights on and they're gonna have to go speed off somewhere and there's been an accident there's been a situation whatever that's what's going on but no that's not what happened this person this police officer flipped a yui and followed me for almost two miles before they flipped a yui again and went back in the other direction when i tell you that while i was being followed by this cop car i continued to stay at the speed limit the entire time to the point where I was gonna I needed to make a left turn onto a street to get to where I was going I didn't even want to risk my left turn signal light being out so I just kept going straight and I was like I guess I'm gonna have to take the long way home because I don't want to risk one of my taillights being out and getting pulled over because this cop is clearly hoping to have a reason to pull me over right now (laughs) why am I sharing this well if you are a white passing or a white individual when it comes to car courtesy at least when it has to do with me do not speed if I am in the car with you follow all of the driving regulations do not play with my life like that Because while you might be used to getting pulled over a lot and it's just a quick little thing and you cry or whatever and you get out of a little ticket, the minute that someone like me is involved in that situation, the likelihood of the situation escalating is very high. Do not play with my life like that. Do not pressure me if I am the one driving to speed just because you're in a rush. Put your fucking seatbelt on. And if you are driving, do not speed, do not run red lights, use your fucking turn signal, because again, 
while you might think that you getting pulled over is not going to be a big deal, the minute you have a person of color, especially a visible person of color in your car, things can escalate very quickly. So I guess that's tip number one. Number two, there's this thing that's been happening where I will have friends invite me over to their place and it'll be at nighttime. And I'll get there and the door is locked and it's dark out and I'm knocking on the door and waiting to be let in and I get a lot of anxiety. Like if I knock, you know, the first couple times and it's been a few moments and you don't let me in, I immediately start feeling anxiety. And I've gotten to the point where if I knock the first couple times and you don't answer, I'm going to go back to my car and sit in my car and I will call you and wait until you either turn on your porch light and open the fucking door or you meet me on the front porch or at the front door. And you might think like, oh, that's a little extreme. Why are you like that, Verena? Well, I'll tell you. If you're going to invite a visible person of color to your home at night and you do not leave your front door open, you do not leave your porch light on, you do not meet them at the front door, you are risking their life by doing that. Because you are risking the possibility that one of your neighbors is going to see them on your front porch or at your front door and fear that they are breaking into your home, which why the fuck would they worry about that if the black person or the person of color is ringing a doorbell or knocking on a front door? Why would you think for a second that that person is trying to break into your home? But I digress. If you're a white or white passing person who is inviting a visible person of color to your home at night, you need, especially if it is me, you need to leave your your porch light on, your front door either unlocked or you meet them at the front door when they get there. Don't make them wait outside. That is not safe. You are playing with their life when you do that. You are putting them at risk for murder when you do that. So I guess that's tip number two. (laughs) what's number three I have to go through my little notes now tip number three actually has a lot more to do with people who are white passing in general so I had a friend he was a black man and I had invited him to come meet me and a friend downtown And we were already downtown. We'd been downtown for a few hours, but I really wanted to hang out with him too. So I was like, hey man, like come meet us downtown. And he was going to be getting off of work soon. So he was like, yeah, you know what? I might come meet you guys after work. So we're downtown and we're waiting for him. And I remember I knew what time he got off work. And I remember I texted him and I was like, hey, okay, so this is where we're at when you get off. Let us know when you're headed this way. And we'll, you know, we'll wait here until you get here before we go to the next spot. And I remember he texted me back and he was like, all right, you know, I'm just getting off work. I'm headed your way now. 
and where he was at was probably 15 to 20 minutes away from downtown but 25 30 minutes later I still hadn't heard from him and I was concerned and another 15 to 20 minutes after that he finally made it downtown but he was shook up he was not okay and I asked him like hey like what what happened and he he told me like he almost didn't even come downtown anymore he was honestly kind of so frustrated and angry about what had happened he was going to go back home but the only reason he came downtown anyway is because he was under the impression that me and my friend who were two women were alone and he didn't want us to be alone downtown so that's the only reason why he continued to come back downtown so what happened I'm going to tell you on his way downtown, he was going down a main street, and that street turns into a one-way street once you get to another perpendicular main street that goes by one of the universities. I'm trying to express and explain where this happened without explaining where it happened because I don't want people who don't know where I live to know where I live, and the people who do know where I live, to I want them to be able to kind of pinpoint where it happened. So if this is very confusing to you how I'm explaining it, that's why. So, he was going down a main street. It was an avenue of sorts. Uh, may or may not have started with a C. He was going down that avenue, and he got past uh, to... He got to another street, which is a main street that goes by one of the universities, the university where I actually got my uh, degree at. And if you know anything about that street and getting into downtown you don't have to turn off of that street you can take that street right into downtown and based on where he was going to be meeting us it actually was preferable for him to stay on that street that avenue and continue past the road that he was on to get into downtown just going straight going north and so he's on that street and he said that once he got into the intersection of the main avenue he was on and the perpendicular road he got pulled over and I was like yo like what 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 happened why did they pull you over and he said they pulled him over and they had him get out of his car and they handcuffed him and sat him down off to the side and they searched his vehicle and I was like dude like what why did they pull you over like what was going on and he said they pulled him over because quote his turn signal light was out but what's fucked up about that is based on the street he was on and where he was going he wasn't turning he had no intentions of turning so he didn't have his turn signal on in any direction so they quoted that they pulled him over because they he had a turn signal light out when he wasn't even fucking turning and then when he tried to explain to them that he wasn't turning they said that they could smell drugs and so they pulled him out of his car and handcuffed him while they searched his vehicle and after they 
didn't find anything because he didn't have anything in there because he hadn't been doing any drugs. Then they let him go. And that's when he was trying to decide if he was going to go home or come meet us downtown. And that's why it took him so long to come meet us. (sighs) So my, my friend just explained all of that to me. The one who's supposed to be meeting us downtown. And my other friend that I was with, who I was waiting on him for, was a woman who is mixed but is very much white passing. Well, she chose that moment to express that while she thought that was fucked up, she was frustrated that she felt like more people didn't really treat her like she was black. Me and this person are not friends anymore, to be clear. She chose, as a white passing person of color, to use the moment when a visible person of color was expressing something traumatic that they had literally just experienced. She chose that moment to make it about fucking her, to make it about people pitying her for not being oppressed enough. So, um, I guess my tip number three is if you are friends with or dating someone who is a visible person of color, it would be kind of great if you would not take the moments where we are sharing our experiences of overt and subtle racism, aka microaggressions, It would be great if you would not make those moments in the conversation about you. Learn how to sit in the uncomfortable feeling of knowing that you will never truly understand that struggle. Okay? Because when you do that, you are no different than the people who wait until someone says that Black Lives Matter to express that hashtag all lives matter. You're doing the same fucking thing. Stop. (sighs) Well, I mean, I feel like I got all my feelings out. I don't really know what else to say. Like, I just, the purpose of this episode is really just to express my own feelings and my own experiences and the experiences of those close to me and hopefully give people who want to be a good ally, whether they're white or white passing or just other people of color, I wanted to be able to give them, to share with them my experiences and hopefully give them tools so that they can come up with better ways to be allies you know again I can't speak for all people of color I can't speak for all black people I can't even speak for all immigrants I can only speak for me and what I've experienced and my frustrations and my day-to-day struggle like before the pandemic I had to deal with people touching my hair constantly especially if my hair was in a natural hairstyle. Like, the only real reason why I wear wigs so much 
And yes, I wear wigs. Just for those of you who are like, what? I wear wigs. Because even though people will think the wig looks good, they don't feel compulsion to touch it. Whereas when I had twists, and when I had braids, and when I had cornrows, and when I had my afro, people for some reason would feel the need to touch it. And they wouldn't even ask me if they could touch it. They would just touch it. And it would happen a lot. Maybe not every day, but it would happen multiple times a week. By complete strangers. So, you know, stuff like that is what you gotta fucking deal with when you're a visible person of color. On top of getting fucking murdered while sleeping in your own bed. (laughs) On top of all the other shit that's being talked about on social media and in the news right now. Like, I think it's important for us to bring the conversation to the small day-to-day things because everyone is open to talking about the bigger shit that's happening. And of course, if you were to see somebody getting fucking murdered in front of you, of course I think more white allies would speak up about it and more white-passing people would speak up about it. But when it's the smaller, more overt things happening you know the more covert things I should say not overt but when it's the smaller more subtle things that are happening around you are you really going to speak up because that's when it fucking matters more like things wouldn't escalate to the point of murder if people were speaking up about the smaller shit that's going on around them but the thing is if you're white and even if you're white passing a lot of the times the more subtle things that are going on around you that visible people of color have to deal with like that's in your blind spot you don't have to fucking deal with that shit you have other shit to deal with i'm not saying you don't have struggles i'm just saying the struggles that visible people of color have to deal with on a day-to-day basis in small ways that's not in your peripheral of things to worry about whether you're white or white passing so if people want to be better allies, if people want to keep things from escalating to the points where they are, because clearly we can't trust the justice system to actually fucking do anything about this shit, then, you know, if you want to be a good ally, like, start paying attention and listening in to when the visible people of color and other marginalized and oppressed groups in general are telling you about the small shit that goes on. Speak up on that. Don't even let things escalate to the points where they are. I don't know. I was hoping to have like a chill way to end this, but I don't. I am still honestly really hesitant about sharing even the experiences that I have here, but I keep seeing posts about people wanting to show up and wanting to be given the tools and the information they need to be better allies. So I guess that means it's time for me to start expressing what I've been through and what some of my close friends and loved ones have been through. Thank you for listening. I love you.